0: The Bible reading is John 20, verses 1 to 9. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running. But the other disciple outrun Peter... They still do not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead.
1: Good morning, good afternoon or whatever time uh, you are watching this. Happy Easter as we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is risen. He is risen indeed, which is why we gather now. Uh, It's a great thing and it's an honour to be able to talk about what my Lord and Saviour has done for us. And he has shared with the whole world. So can we bow our heads and we'll begin in prayer. Uh, thank you, Lord, that you have done the unthinkable to uh, secure the impossible, Father. Lord, it's not of us that we come before you, but it's all that you have done that will draw us to you. Uh, Lord, that you would come close to us now, that you'll speak or whisper your truth and your love into our ear, Lord that we may draw ever more closer to you. Amen. This morning, we're going to be looking at the resurrection, which is fairly obvious, and uh, a passage from John 21 to 9. And the subtitle for this I've got is The Laying Hold of Great Riches. When Christ died, when Christ rose, death died. And that's what the first Easter is about, the death of that was defeated by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the stone across the good Lord's tomb was a mere insignificant pebble to he who is the rock of ages. The dreadful consequence, if Christ is not risen, is that death does not end life, but rather we are still in our sins. Now the account of the life of Jesus the Christ is the only biography known to man that does not end with death and burial the only record of human life that joyfully hastens onto the next chapter after the last. That's what A.W. Tozer said. It is the only biography ever written that has a living sequel. So what Easter Day means, it's Christianity's make or break day. And so therefore, so to our lives. Now I want to read to you a short passage from 1 Corinthians where Paul reflected upon this. It's 1 Corinthians 15 verses 12 to 20. Paul says, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is our faith. More than that, we are often found to be false witnesses about God. We have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who have lost, excuse me, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. It is, not, it is not so that Christ is still in his tomb. It is so that Christ rose from the dead. So, Easter Day is the absolute, permanent, unshakable proof that Easter saves us through the death of Jesus and his resurrection. Now, I want to read to you two little stories of three people who knew how to hold on to riches because don't forget that the easter story is laying hold of riches because christ rose from the dead so the first short story is from the los angeles times several years ago reported on a man and his wife who died in their 50s these two were found dead in their apartment the autopsy revealed the autopsy revealed that they had both died of malnutrition When police searched the the apartment, they found in a cupboard a pile of little paper bags containing in excess of $40,000 in cash. Yet these people died of malnutrition. Now there's another lady whose name is recorded in history as Mad Hetty. Her complete name is Henrietta Howland Green. and She died in 1916 leaving an estate valued at $100 million. I have no idea how that sort of money could be accumulated these days, let alone 100 years ago. Now, Hetty Green was so miserly that it was said that she ate cold oatmeal because it was too expensive to heat the water to warm it. Her son once sustained a severe leg injury. This is her son. The, la- the, excuse me, the leg had to be amputated because Hetty would not pay for the treatment. She searched for a free clinic, but it was too late for her boy. Now, aren't those stories, both of them, sad, sad stories? Stories that should never have happened. Injuries and death that need never have occurred in the manner that they did. In both these stories, people had access to great riches. And yes, they took hold of them and they would not let them go. In fact, they put their wealth above hardship, above family, and even above their own death. But we have a far greater rich, we have far greater riches to lay hold of, that are worth any price, including our life, to hang on to. And now these are the riches that Jesus gives us at Easter. Now I want to show. Uh, excuse me. I want to uh, read another passage from John's Gospel now. And this passage is about the first of the riches that uh, God gives us. Early Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and I don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciple ran to the tomb to see. The other disciple outran Peter and got there first. He stopped and looked in and saw the linen cloth lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings that were around Jesus lying there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and was lying to one side. Now what's that mean? We need to take note of this. The cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying to one side as distinct from the remainder of the wrappings. So we need to understand a little bit about Hebrew tradition of the day. The folded napkin was associated with the master and his servant and every Jewish boy knew this tradition. When the servant set the dinner table for the master, he made sure that it was exactly the way the master wanted it. The table was set perfectly and then the servant would wait just out of sight until the master had finished eating and the servant would not dare touch that table until the master was returned. Uh, so, excuse me, until the master was finished. Somehow this scene uh, probably wickedly reminds me of Manuel from Faulty Towers and his abilities to... Um, To serve people. Now if the master was finished eating he would rise from the table, wipe his fingers, his mouth, clean his beard and would wad up that napkin and then he just tossed the napkin on the table. It was not folded neatly it was just a wad that was discarded. Now the servant would then know to clear the table for in those days the wadded napkin meant I am finished you can clear the table. But if the master got up from the table and folded his napkin and laid it beside his plate, the servant would not dare go forward and touch the table. If the napkin was left folded and the master left, the servant didn't approach the table because the folded napkin meant I'm coming back. My friends, take hope. Hold your faith. Gain strength and promise because that's exactly what Jesus did when he folded that napkin and left it off his head neatly and put to the side. And it was his promise, a visual witness to his promise that I'm coming back. Now I had a little thought, I wonder how Lazarus left the tomb when he was raised from the dead by Jesus not too long before Jesus himself died. John 11.44 records Lazarus coming out of the tomb. It says, The dead man came out, his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Now here's the difference, isn't it? Jesus left with no grave cloth on and his face visible to all. But when Lazarus rose, he still needed the interventions of humans to remove the grave cloths. So there's a contrast even between the resurrection of Jesus and the resurrection of Lazarus. So there are five great riches I want to briefly reflect upon that we can grasp forever with an ever-increasing tightness, willful not to let them go. So the night of Easter is the first one. It reveals the need for forgiveness. There would be no darkness if there was no sin and the world was enveloped in darkness. Sin is living in darkness, but what Easter brings is forgiveness. The second one is the sight of Easter reveals the burdens of sins. If sin were not so awful, neither would there be such an awful cross. God did not cheapen sin in any way. The Father did not cheapen sin in any way and neither did the Son. This sin has to be dealt with and it is far more serious than mankind would ever imagine the light of easter reveals the blindness of the soul until jesus died no full light had been shed upon the darkness of sin and now the darkness has shown to be the darkness of sin is shown to be what it is the soul doesn't have to be blind to sin the fourth one is the might of easter reveals the power of the resurrection Christianity is so perfectly good and supernatural that not even death could defeat it. It couldn't back then and it can't now. And the final riches to, riches to hold from, hold on to is the fight of Easter to defeat Satan and his power over death. Jesus rose from the dead. So if I need forgiveness, if I want to understand the burdens of sin, if I want to see the blindness of my soul, if I want to be part of the power of the resurrection that supernatural goodness that defeats death i hold on to jesus rising from the dead that's the fifth richness the fifth richness that he gives us at easter now there are four steps to grasp those five riches those five great riches the first one is god wins we know the end of the story god wins we need to be on his side and stay there because he is on the winning team even if the rest of the world thinks he's on the losing team the way i lay hold of that is just say lord forgive me for my sins and i repeat it each day that each day i can come humbly and repentant before the lord easter proves we need never fear that god will be dethroned or overreached or defeated because he defeated death the virus. No virus can defeat Easter, as our Archbishop said. There is no defeating the God Almighty who lives and breathes and is still enthroned in heaven. So Easter gives us hope and eternity. Hold on to the hope, hold on to the eternity, even when in the darkness. Because I once read by a man called Neil Anderson, never doubt in darkness what God has shown you in the light. Jesus gave me nothing, owed me nothing, yet he gave me everything. That's his love for us, isn't it? Jesus had no debt to me. I have a massive debt to him. He gave me everything and he, that was a sign of his love. And Jesus' tomb is empty, so I don't have to be. I can find comfort in the good Lord even when I find, um, when I find I'm empty. So I hold these great riches of the Lord through repentance, looking to eternity Believing and accepting his forgiving love and seeking him for the times of comfort, not seeking the things of man. So as we wrap up this Easter day, this Easter celebration, remember the napkin and the hope it promises. Easter took the bite out of the serpent. the serpent. The serpent bit in Eden, but he didn't bite again in Gethsemane. It shows that God steadfastly refuses to hold my sins against me. Can I repeat that? God steadfastly refuses to hold my sins against me, so neither should I. Jesus is often more gracious to me than I am to me, and likewise for you. I rise with Jesus after I have died with Jesus. We looked at that on Friday, didn't we? The death to self that means we rise with Jesus. And Jesus' resurrection is real and awaits all those who would choose him. Guys, can I say that as I reflect upon too many Easter's to admit, still splashed across the earth is Jesus' blood and still splashed across the heavens is his heart. Is that not the key to Easter? Understanding that Jesus' resurrection, his death and resurrection, is still for us to see, feel, and take on board. May you be blessed this Easter and through the coming year. Let's bow our heads to pray. Thank you, Lord, that your son was faithful to you. Oh, Lord, we know that your um, foundation is in righteousness and faithfulness and that you are surrounded by faithfulness, Lord. Oh, Lord, that this Easter, not only this Easter, but this year coming, we alone too will serve you and love you and join you In faithfulness, Lord. Amen.